Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Amen. So, let's dive in. Listen, in light of uh, Christmas being right around the corner, I would like to uh, begin this morning by actually reading two uh, connecting passages of Scripture. Now, i got to go ahead and tell you, they're lengthy, uh, but, but these two portions of Scripture are what we tend to refer to as the Christmas story. So, for the sake of time, we're going to go ahead and hop in, and if you can, just hang out with us once again. It's a bunch of verses, but I believe in you. So, let's start off in Luke chapter 1. It says this, it says, Now in the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. It says, To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was greatly troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Anybody in here love that name? Then it says in verse 32, it says, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And then it says, Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? It says, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age, and this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. It says, For with God nothing will be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And then it says, And the angel departed from her. Now let's go to the connecting scripture, which is in Matthew chapter 1. Hang in there with me. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. It says, But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. It says, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took to him his wife, and did not know her. That means he didn't know her in an intimate way, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. All right. Listen, if you have been in church for any amount of time, I can almost promise you, you've heard those two passages more times than you can count. Right? (laughs) 
Listen, now, now obviously I can't speak for every person in this room, but I actually think when we become overly familiar with certain portions of the Bible, it actually becomes a disadvantage to us, meaning that it hinders us from hearing something fresh from heaven. Here's why I say that. For example, when most of us uh, just heard or just read along there the verses out of Luke chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 1, uh, typically we're not just reading about the birth of our Savior, but we are automatically, consciously and subconsciously, connecting all the other uh, dots that are in the Bible such as this. In other words, we read it and we know that she's going to have a visit with Mary. We know that the shepherds are going to come. We know that they're going to encounter Simeon and Anna on the eighth day in the temple, right? We know the wise men are going to come with their gifts. Fast forward, we know John the Baptist has a ministry. Jesus is going to be baptized. Fast forward, we know the things Jesus taught. We know the miracles he performed. We know about his death on the cross. We know about his resurrection. Fast forward again, we know his current day ministry is that he's sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying and interceding for all of us. And lastly, thank God we know that there's a second coming. Amen? So listen, in short, reading and hearing all of this, what we're doing is we're typically working from more of a complete picture, right? In other words, not just a handful of verses. In fact, I'll say it this way. Even when I got born again, I remember the first time that I read this portion of Scripture, I already knew some of those other things. So I didn't hear it afresh. I was already connecting the dots, even as a baby believer. Now, Listen, obviously on one hand, if we can connect all those dots, it's really good, right? Because that means we have an understanding or a workable knowledge of the gospel. It means we understand what Jesus' role is currently in our lives. And and that is certainly to our advantage, yes? yes? Now, but may I suggest to you this on the other side of that, is that in doing that, is it possible that we may make the mistake of forgetting the fact that Mary and Joseph didn't have the complete picture, that they didn't have the whole story when Gabriel showed up at their doorstep and knocked and, for lack of better words, forced them to make the biggest decision of their young lives. Am I making sense? You see, it's in there in our forgetting where all of our knowledge can actually become a disadvantage to us because in doing so, uh, we not only tend to make these passages common to us, we go, yeah, I've heard that more than likely. Even when I was reading that a while ago, you'd be like, yep, heard that a thousand times over. So we treat it as common. But what it also does is it, is it causes us to fail to put ourselves in Mary and Joseph's shoes. And if we realize they're not because we failed to do that, we fail to learn some valuable lessons that God might want to teach us. So with all that in mind, what I want to do today is this, is I want to uh, just ask the Lord simply, it's my prayer this morning, God, would you give us new eyes and new ears? Would you give us a fresh look at this portion of the Bible, these two portions, and will you allow us to pull some things out that could be applicable to our lives today that we could use? Amen? So listen, so to start, I want to give us a basic question, not just to get the ball rolling, but hopefully that you and I can connect to. And the question is simply this, and I ask you, please don't respond with some answer, okay? But the question is this, is that if you knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that God was asking you to do something, would you do it? Like if you knew with everything in you, God is saying something, He's asking me to do something, man, would we do it? Now, please consider the following, okay? Before you externally or internally want to give a response. I see some of you shaking your head, but I want us to think about these things that actually before we, before we uh, spout off something, just to ask ourselves, what if he asked us to do something that might cost us every relationship we have? Hear this, let this sink in. That what if it meant that we would lose our good reputation and our good name that we've worked so hard to create in our community? 
That what if the thing he was asking us to do seemed completely out there? Like if we step out and do it, everybody around us can be like, that dude, that gal, they're nuts. Right? They're crazy. What if we somehow knew that there would be uncertainties ahead and consequences out there that would be out of our control? If there was that and a thousand other questions attached to it, man, would we still do it? Like if we stop and actually begin to think about this, this uh, guy and this gal, Joseph and Mary, that, that's kind of what the Lord was really asking them to do, wasn't it? So if you can, think about this with me for a moment. We're just going to walk the dog and, uh, and we'll see where it takes us, right? But, but here's this young lady that we all know is named Mary. She's obviously betrothed to a young man named Joseph. And, uh, you know, theologians say she's somewhere around 13 to 16 years old. This is a little girl, y'all, a young lady. Let me say it that way. And, and there's a, some theologians that, that make Joseph out like he's old. But from the research I've done, he's somewhere probably around 18 to 20 years old. Now, listen, for us to fully grasp their situation. We need to understand that to be betrothed in their day looks a whole lot different than what it means to be engaged in our day. So for starters, this is that Joseph would have actually had to go work for a few years to raise enough, raise or make enough money to save up enough money to even be married. Because what happened was, is when the time came and he had enough money, what would happen was, is his family would have approached Mary's family. And at that point, they would have obviously made a proposal, but they would also propose the amount of money for the dowry. And if Mary's family thought that that was a good enough deal, they would have agreed. Aren't you glad it doesn't work that way anymore? <laughs> Listen, so once that took place, the two families would have written up a binding legal contract stating that the two of them were set to be married. And at that point, watch this, the one-year betrothal period began. It started, okay? So listen, over the next year, they were actually, even though they were set to be married, even though they were viewed already as husband and wife, as we'll see later in the Scripture, I want you to know that they were actually limited in the amount of time that they were allowed to spend together. Now, for us that are married, when we, were, when we got engaged, we pretty much nonstop were wanting to be around each other. But these guys were actually pulling their reins and they were limited in their time they could spend together. Watch this. When they were allowed to be together, they were never allowed to be alone. Now, I would assume that was probably for purity's sake. So I'm saying all this for this reason. is because I want us to understand that everything in Mary and in Joseph's life was going, key part here, as planned. It was going as planned. In other words, it was no different from how their parents did. It was no different from how their grandparents did it and their great-grandparents and so on for generations. And so what I'm getting at is, is that they were happily in the betrothal process, looking ahead to the day when the year's over, they can get married. And in the middle of that somewhere, we don't know, this angel named Gabriel, this archangel, shows up with a message from the Lord. And, and I think to say that at that moment things became complicated is an understatement. Right? So listen, we're not talking about, if you can get out of your head for a second, we're not talking about some sweet little children's Christmas play here that we've all seen, right? Where you got third graders dressed up as Mary and Joseph, and you got uh, some angels sitting in the background with some cheesy light on them that, with wings that Grandma made. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're not talking about that. We're actually talking about two real people who were actually living out a supernatural scenario in real time with all the feelings and all the emotions and all the questions attached to it. 
So in the middle of that, if we could pause for a minute to, to give maybe our first point, I would simply say this. Remember, our question is, is if God asked us to do something, would we do it? So listen, I just think if you and I are going to do anything for God at any measure, at any level, then like Mary and Joseph, we need to settle in our hearts that we are willing to. Here's your first point. Number one, we need to allow the Lord to change up our plans. We need to allow the Lord to change up our plans. I realize that's not popular. Listen, to be honest with you, a lot of us in this room, we're not that great at this. Right? In fact, I just want you to know from an Alabama boy to a bunch of people from the Northeast, you know, you guys are well known for not liking change. Yes? And so I'll just say this, listen, if you want to see Jesus move in your life, if we want to see Jesus do incredible things in this church, then we really better grab a hold of this and allow Him to begin to what? Have access and permission to change up our plans. Yes. Right? So listen, we need to remember what the Bible says in Proverbs 16, 9. Many of you could quote this verse, but he says this. He says, a man's heart plans his way. Right? That's just naturally ingrained in us. In fact, a few days ago, I was talking to my 14-year-old nephew that I hadn't talked to in a while, and I asked him, hey, man, do you know what you want to do when you get out of high school? He's a really smart kid. And he said, well, I have my eye on basically these two areas of engineering. So at 14 years old, he's already preparing his way because he wants to go do this stuff like with NASA. I'm like, go get it, kid. You're awesome, right? But, but so listen, a man's heart plans his way. So often we get up, and even in the morning, here's how my day looks. Some of you guys have every minute scheduled. Some of you in here have your uh, sock drawer even organized. <laughs> the rest of you, like me, you're just glad it's in the drawer, right? Amen. Amen. So a man's heart plans his ways. Watch this. Next word, but... But there's the change, there's the interruption, but the Lord directs, the Lord establishes His steps. And Gabe, what I'm trying to tell you is, is that that verse right there, that's where surrender and obedience comes in. Amen? So just question with that verse in mind, and only you really know, but man, I just want to ask you today, how open are you to the Lord saying this? You know, I know you've been thinking for a while now that this is the best way for you. Like you've planned this for a while. This is the route you're going. This is the path you're going. This is the direction you're taking. But I actually want you to go this way or do this thing or take this job or engage in this relationship instead. Like when you hear that, because if you really want to walk with Jesus, at some point you're going to hear it, right? And when you hear that, will you be stuck in concrete, unwilling to change, unwilling to move, unwilling to be flexible? Or will you uh, allow yourselves to be open to the wind of the Holy Spirit in the direction He wants to take you? Please don't get uncomfortable. Listen, I'm going to mash some points here together. So in light of that, I'm certain that Mary had heard some of the 332 Old Testament prophecies surrounding the Messiah's coming. But I seriously doubt, guys, that in all those times she went to church, like you're sitting today, sat in the synagogue, heard the stories about the Messiah, I doubt she ever thought or in her wildest dreams expected that she would actually be the vessel that God would use to bring about His promise. Listen, I believe, hang with me here, it's going to hit home for somebody. I believe proof of this is seen in how Mary responded when Gabriel spoke in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Let's read it again. It says, The angel Gabriel was sent by God, and having come in, 
the angel said to Mary, watch this, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Pretty awesome. Now watch your response. But she was greatly perplexed at what he said and kept carefully considering. That literally means that she kept trying to figure out in her mind what kind of greeting this was. You see, listen, so many people throughout church history have celebrated Mary for the role that she played in the gospel, and that's cool, right? But, but I want you to know that in her day, being young, being poor, and being female, uh, there was nothing in her life, at least in man's eyes, that deemed her usable by God. Right? Watch this. So, so put that on the shelf. Now watch this. On top of that, in this culture, we know if you read the Bible, we always see God says, name this child that because this is what they're destined. This is what they're going to do. Name this child this because this is what I'm doing in the nation right now, right? Like we see that in the Bible. Names are significant to God. And so once again, here in this culture, that means that Mary would have probably known what her name meant. Now, Listen, a few days ago, I looked up the name Mary, and I was expecting it to be something graceful, something to be endearing, something like pure, something like blessed, you know, uh, blessed of the Lord, something nice, right? Just nice and churchy. And, and so, but it actually meant this, or means this. It means a sea of bitterness. It means and rebellious. Like, not what I expected. A sea of bitterness and rebellious. Now listen, I may be a thousand miles off here and it definitely wouldn't be the first time, but, but listen, I believe it is possible that with these two things, how society viewed her and potentially how she viewed herself because what she knew her name meant, because in essence, when you call that name, you're prophesying that. You're saying that over your child, right? And so of what she knew her name meant, I think that possibly those things caused her to be hesitant towards God's positive words towards her. Now listen, I don't know about you, I don't know everybody's background, I don't know everybody's story in this room, but, but I personally uh, can, to some measure, relate to that. Right, like partially because uh, if you go back, there's nobody from my childhood, nobody from elementary school, nobody from middle school and high school that would ever thought in a thousand years, not even from my family, that guess what, that this guy would be standing here doing this today. Nobody, right? And, and I'll just say this, I didn't even come from, uh, you, you know, church attenders, like a family of church attenders, much less a family of preachers. Like I was watching video the other day and this pastor was eighth generation. I didn't have that, right? And so I just think this, I, I was never a great leader. I was never a gatherer of people. I never felt like I had something to say to people. I never, I never wanted something like this, right? But what happened was the day came and, and, and the gospel light turned on and I saw I needed Jesus. Then I gave my life to him and immediately I knew I was called to preach the gospel. And I would love to tell you that I knew it with gusto and I was ready to go. Didn't. It took me a significant amount of time in here and in here to go, you know what? This is actually what God's called me to do. And guess what? He hasn't made a mistake. Right. And so, listen, because I couldn't figure out because I knew me why he would ever choose me. Even to this and to help some of you guys out, fast forward to literally being a preacher and preaching every week and pastoring, doing all these things that I can't tell you how many times I've sat in services where uh, there were, uh, you know, uh, a prophetic person maybe ministering and that there came a point in the time of the service that they were going to go around. They were going to pray for people. And in those times where I knew they were praying for people, I was like, oh, no. 
What's this guy going to say about me? What, what's he going to see in me that I don't want him to see? Or I don't want her to see? Has anybody ever been there? And so, listen, I can't tell you how many times I've felt that, and it's because I know my shortcomings, and I know what it's like to live in my A game with Jesus, and I know what it's like to live in my B game with Jesus, right? And there's times where you sit in the service, more often than not, you're not in your A game, you're in your B game, right? Sometimes you're in your F game, right? It's just looking bad. And, and, and so there's been times like that, that, man, that I've had actual, those guys come and just put their hands on me gently and just simply say this, the Lord wants you to know He's pleased with you. Now, now listen, I can't tell you the amount of relief that comes in that. But at the same time, I'm sitting there like Mary and I'm going, man, it's really hard to believe why God would be pleased with me at this moment. Like, like it's really hard to go, this is how God sees me and actually believe that. Am I the only one? So I believe this. That's why I'm telling you this point. If you and I, in other words, there's, I'll say it this way, set up. There's a way that we... We normally do life, and there's a way that we normally view ourselves. And I just think this, man, if we're wanting to be used by God, then we need to be like Mary. We need to, number two, we need to allow the Lord to break us out of our norm. We need to allow the Lord to break us out of our norm. Y'all hear me? Hear me, church family, please. And by norm, I mean this. Once again, we need to allow God to break us out of what this, what this region views as normal. Well, that's a normal church. Well, that's a normal Christian. We need to break out of what our families even view as normal. We need to break out of the way our families have normally viewed us. And more importantly, we need to break out of the way we have normally viewed ourselves. Are y'all hearing me today? In other words, that we need to allow God to remove some old patterns, some old limitations, some old identities that we've carried way too long. We need to upgrade, if you will. And the reason is, because if we realize or not, God is wanting to bring us up higher than we realize. And listen, if you think I'm talking about the guy behind you or the girl in front of you, no, 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 I'm talking to you. Every single person in this room, God is trying to bring us up higher. Amen? Listen, and I believe that's exactly what God was trying to do with Mary. Let's go back to the scripture. It says in verse 30, it says, Then the angel said to her, once again, she's still trying to wrap her brain around all this. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Fast forward to verse 34. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? If you don't know what that means, ask your parents later. How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Now, let me just ask, is there anyone in this room that can honestly say that in your mind, in your, intellect, in your great uh, whatever intellectualism, that, that you actually can understand how the Holy Spirit can come and overshadow a virgin and somehow deposit the seed of God in her to cause the Messiah to come forth. Does anybody understand, like, man, one, two, three, this is how it happens? Uh, me either. <laughs> right? And I say that to say this, is I want to suggest to you today that Mary didn't have a clue either. Right? This is huge. And I think it's because of that simple fact we learned a lot about her faith. Right? Listen to what she said to Gabriel. Verse 38. It says, Then Mary said, Behold 
the maidservant of the Lord. That simply means the voluntary servant of the Lord. In other words, I volunteer for this. You're not going to drag me in. You're not going to make me. I volunteer for it. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Man, some of us need to get that down in our spirit today. That not what mom says, not what dad says, not what your kids say. Man, but let it be to me according to the word. If the word says it, then I believe it. Amen? And watch this. When she got a hold of that, that's the next part. Notice the next part. And the angel departed from her. She's got it. She's good. So number three. If we want to be used by God, then like Mary, we need to have enough faith. Please get this. To be okay with not knowing all of the details. Listen, if you want to go where God wants you to go, I want to go ahead and tell you, you're not going to get all the details, right? Listen, I can tell you from personal experience, when I answered the call to respond to God, listen, the first move I made was simply an hour away from mom and dad. The next move was to a whole other state. I moved to Louisiana. Then I moved to North Carolina. And then I moved back to Louisiana. First time I didn't learn enough, I guess. And, and, and I... And I found my wife, praise God, and we moved back to North Carolina, right? We had this quiver full of, of kids, right? And then what happened is God moved us to Maine. And what I'm trying to tell you today is this, is that there was times in that, and it may sound absolutely crazy to some of you guys, some of you guys, you've lived it, but I want you to know in some of those moves, car packed, truck packed, that literally one time we had a U-Haul packed full, guys, and we had no clue where we were going to live when we got there. Didn't have a clue how we were going to make money. Didn't have a clue how we were going to pay bills. Didn't know the situation that God was leading us into. But what I did know is in here is that I heard from God. Yeah. Right? And guys, I've settled in my heart long ago, and I hope you have as well, like Mary, that when he says go, we're going to go. Yeah. Amen? Because somewhere deep down in our spirit, we actually believe, verse 37, that with God nothing will be impossible. Because we believe when we respond to what he says on the other end, he's going to do what he does. And I can honestly say with confidence today, confidence today, 24 years into walking with Jesus, He has never, never, never let me down. That when I've been faithful to do my part, He's been faithful to do His part. Yes? And even when I've been faithless, thank God He's had mercy and He's been faithful. Right? Even in some of my stupid moments, He has been faithful. Amen? Amen. That'll make you want to shout and run around the room. Maybe not all of you. You're weird people. Y'all are weird. All right. So all I'm saying is we can get this down in our heart. If we want to be like Mary and Joseph, if we want to take, watch this, you want to do something for God, there's this thing called the path less traveled. The path less traveled. Meaning where God's really moving, it's really not where everybody's running. Okay? And I just think this, man, that we can get in our hearts that, and we'll throw up the next slide, that His leading isn't always logical. His leading isn't always logical. You're not always going to get the details as much as you want them. Why? Because it's not logical. But the positive thing there is, is that when He leads us, where He leads us, He will never, never leave us. In other words, God's not going to lead us here and drop us off and say, you're on your own. Good luck. Praise God for that, right? Yeah. All right, so let's turn our attention to Joseph and let's land this thing. Remember a while ago I said that Mary, even though she knew 332 prophecies, potentially of the Messiah, she never dreamed in her wildest dreams that she'd be the vessel. Y'all remember that? Uh, I, I'm going to step out on a limb here and I'm going to say I'm pretty certain that Joseph never thought in his wildest dreams that he would be betrothed to the woman who would give birth to the Christ child. 
So if we can, let's slip our shoes or slip our feet into his shoes for a moment and let's get some things from him. Matthew 1. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, it says, Before they came together, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. If we can tap the brakes there for a moment. Now, listen, how many of you guys know that that, um, how can I say it this way? It had to be an awkward announcement at the dinner table. Right? Like, I just see in my mind, Mary sitting there, 13 to 16 years old, right? Um, Mom? Dad? I've been meaning to tell you, but um, I'm pregnant. And I can see Dad jumping up and, and her going, no, 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 Dad, 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 listen, you don't need to get the gun. It wasn't Joseph. <laughs> Knew I should have left him alone, <laughs> right? Whatever. So, so it's this, no, Mom, no, 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 Mom, calm down. I, I haven't been unfaithful to Joseph. And then she gets this smile on her face. The Holy Spirit overshadowed me. <laughs> Mom, Dad, God chose me of all the women ever, right, to give birth to the Messiah. Man, I, I just, yeah. I, in my mind, I'm going Snickers commercial. Ever want to get away? That's what I'm thinking right now. Um, oh, that's uh, Southwest. Yeah. <laughs> You get the point. Let me just ask you this. How many of you guys actually have a daughter in the room? Like, come on, like, let's act like you're happy about that. Let's raise our hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. It's a, listen, I, I just say this. As a dad, I, all I'm going to say is, man, that conversation would have been a really hard pill to swallow. Right? Now, can you imagine, yes, yeah, hard for mom and dad, but can you imagine being Joseph the guy who uh, literally is like, man, I love this woman. I want to marry her. Can you imagine that atomic bomb getting dropped in your lap? You know, I just, you know, see in my head that he gets all fired up and he's just like, what? I work for this woman. I pay for this woman. I'm just kidding. Anyways, let me settle down with you guys. Let me settle down. Let me settle down. I got to find myself in my notes here. <laughs> I just think, man, that watch this on a serious note that here he is. He had to. Hear that, and then can you imagine going home to his mom and dad? And let's try to explain that to them. Oh, it's not my mom. It's, not anybody, it's the Holy Ghost's. Yeah. See, I just think most men right there would have ran for their lives. Right? But, but we've got to remember, they were betrothed, right? And once again, it's much different than what you and I know as being engaged. And here's why. It's because even though they had not been intimate from their society and the culture of the day, they were still considered husband and wife, which meant that Joseph was only left with a few options. And I want to kind of give you an idea of what was rolling around in his head here, according to culture. The first one is this, is that if a man's betrothed wife became pregnant, people would assume that she had regarded him as inadequate. Fellows, are you hearing me? That the love of your life views you as inadequate, and somehow she ran off and hooked up with another fella, and, and as you can expect, that would be publicly humiliating to Joseph. Worse yet, if he didn't divorce her, right, if he didn't take that step, the people in their society would assume what that Joseph and her kind of did a little thing and he got her pregnant, right? And, and so what would happen was if he went through and just got married and all of that, then it would actually uh, put him to great shame in their culture because he was the guilty one. Or he could actually divorce her in a public court to establish his own innocence. In doing so, he gets the money back from Mary's dad, right? 
And, and what happens is, is even though he gets it back, and even though he reclaims his name and his reputation, uh, there's this slight chance that, guess what, that she could be stoned according to the law of Moses. Or he could divorce her privately with two witnesses, but in doing so, he wouldn't get his money back. He would forfeit that, but he would protect her from future shame. How many of you guys see that my man's in a pickle? Right? Like, what a difficult situation. And to think about even this, that the reality is, is he really didn't know her, and she really didn't know him, even though they lived in a really small town of about 2,000 people. Right? And so it's, it's understandable while he would struggle and not, you know, be so ready to believe her. Right? But the Bible gives us a small glimpse of what Joseph was going to do, and it gives us this idea of what his character was like. It says this in verse 19. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, means upright, blameless, and righteous. It says, and not wanting to make her a public example. In other words, he was going the, the two witness route. It says, was minded to put her away secretly. Once again, forfeit the money, protect her from further shame. And then it says this, but while he thought about these things. Have you ever found yourself in that spot? You're in a difficult situation, but while you think about these things, like what in the world am I going to do? Man, you see the faithfulness of God. It says, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. You ever notice that Josephs have dreams? Just saying. It says, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you, marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. In other words, Joseph, you need to know what she's telling you is right. She's not lying to you. Now here's the point. If you and I want to be used by God, then like Joseph, number four, this is huge, and we've all made this mistake, but if we're going to go forward and do great things for God, we've got to sell our hearts that, man, we can't let our emotions make our decisions. Like how often do we let our emotions make a decision and not our brain, and more truthfully, not the Spirit of God? Right? So listen, I, I think all of us have made that mistake more than one time, right? But there's this key part here that obviously Joseph wasn't a hasty guy. And I'm just saying, man, how many times have I and you made a mistake where we heard something and emotions started kicking, our face changed colors, and something started pumping through our veins, right? And we made decisions that we regret to this day. Yeah. Right? And so here he is. He wasn't hasty. And because he wasn't hasty, this verse that I love, in fact, it's one of my favorite verses in Isaiah. You hear me quote it often. But it's Isaiah 30, verse 21. It went to work in his life. And it's simply this. It says, your own ears will hear him. Like, what a great promise, guys, that God says that He will speak to you. Amen? That your own ears will hear Him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way. See, y'all didn't know the Mandalorian was in the Bible, did you? For you guys who don't have kids, you're probably like, what? This is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. And I just been think thankfully, right? Like thankfully, this guy knew how to tune out other voices. Because how many of you guys know when you're in a tough spot, when you're pickled, everybody's got opinion, yeah. right? But he knew how to somehow push all that away into wait. He learned how to be still and know he is God and wait on the Lord before he made a decision. He just didn't react. He waited and responded in the heart of God. Amen. So listen for our last two points. Let's just read this and we'll land it. 
It says this in verse 21. It says, And she will bring forth the Son, and you shall call His name Jesus, for He will save His people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call His name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. At the heart of all this, that's why they could do it, because God was with them. Amen? But notice this last verse. It says, that the dream happened, then Joseph, being aroused or being awaked, right, from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife. Notice the Bible doesn't say that Joseph pondered these things or he analyzed these things or he, you know, whatever, questioned this and questioned that, you know, whatever in his heart for the next six months before he made a decision, right? He didn't say that. The Bible says that he, that he dreamed it, he woke up, and he moved, right? And the reason I think that's so important for you and I is this, is how often have you and I heard something from God that we knew was God and we delayed? We procrastinated. And see, what we miss when, we, when that happens is, is God is an unstoppable God. God is always on the move. And what happens is, is God speaks, He keeps moving, and, and if we don't respond in the right amount of time, then guess what happens? We miss the moment. The window is closed. Am I making sense to you guys? Like, like here, I'll give you a real small example, and obviously there's much bigger ones, but, but think about how many times you've been out and about, and the Lord has said, pray for that person, or Tell them about me, and uh, you start questioning, uh, uh, and they're gone. Right? And so some of us made that in the little things like that in life, but we also made it in some big things in life where we just drug our feet because we were afraid or we doubted ourselves, we doubted it was God. All those things, and we missed the moment, and we regret it to this day. So what I'm trying to tell you today is if we want to do great things for God, then we got to somehow... Be like Joseph, and it's this, that we don't just need some courageous obedience, but we need quick obedience. Are y'all hearing me today? The last thing I want to say is this, last point, we're done, is sometimes when God is unraveling things in our lives, we're not the one that God is calling to take the risk or called to, um, you know, have a radical obedience in something, but our spouse is. Right? Or maybe it's our children. Or maybe it's our friends. And, and if that happens, what I'm really asking you to do today is this. Is that, could we be like Joseph and we could, number six, could we be willing to support them through the process? Could we be willing to support them through the process? And I say that because this. Because it's clear that, yes, Mary had this incredible thing from God, right? But at the same time, it's clear that she needed Joseph's support and help to fulfill, right, God's purpose for her life. Amen? Amen. So, so like, listen, I think this. I'll say this for you guys that got younger kids. Like, is it really right for us to, to have these babies that are gifts from God and that we stand in front of a church, in front of a people, like we did with our four kids, and we uh, dedicated them to the Lord, and we say, Lord, they're yours. And in my heart of hearts, I'm wondering, God, where in the world, in the world, are you going to send my children one day? Like, I want them so close to us. But no, the reality is, if they're called by God, they're probably going to go somewhere, right? And can I be a father that has the heart of God and support my children in that process and go, you know, go fulfill the will of God in your life. You're the Lord's. I'm making sense. Like, what happens when your spouse wakes up and says, I feel like we need to do this? 
Do you become a, an anchor that drags them down and they never fulfill the will of God for their lives? Or do you support them and you get behind them and help them and become their biggest cheerleader to help them do it? We need to support. Amen? Yes. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's close with this. I think it goes without saying that Joseph and Mary were obviously a huge part of God's plan of redemption. Okay, but, but if I can throw something here, is this, is we would say they were chosen by God. And I want you to realize there's something how the kingdom works. If you go all the way back to the second king of Israel, which was David, the Bible says that God chose David. Now that doesn't mean that, you know, basically he took a blind eye and said, yes, that guy, I want him. No, no, no. What the word chose there means is actually God surveyed every man in Israel and Judah and he saw David's heart, right? And he picked him. So to understand today that, guess what? There's things that God has picked us to do if our hearts are right. And I want you to know that, yes, these guys are a huge part of the plan of redemption. But guess what? So are you. So am I. Right? That literally that we are a part of God's plan for this generation. That we are a part of God's plan for what He wants to do in this region. You are a part of God's plan for what He wants to do in this church. You're even a part of God's plan of what He wants to do in your family. But if we don't grab a hold of these things, these cues from Joseph and Mary we're talking about, I'm not so sure if we're ever going to do it. So I'm going to ask you again, what if God called you to do something that you knew there'd be loads of uncertainty and there's consequences? If you know it wouldn't be the easy route, if you knew it'd be difficult, would you still do it? And I hope the answer is yes. Amen. I hope there's a yes in your heart because I promise you, if you actually respond to God, it will not always be easy. The anointing is amazing. The presence of God's amazing. The words are made. All those things are amazing. But man, it's not easy. Amen. So let's pray today, and, I, and I'm going to pray, we're going to pray simply that God would give us the ability to have a yes in our hearts. Okay, let, let me go ahead and say this. I, I, I was going to not say it, but let me go ahead. If you're sitting here today and you're like, ah, you know, that's awesome for somebody else, but I don't know if God's going to see me like that. Let me just help you with a verse. It says, for you see your calling, brethren and sistren, that not many wise according to the flesh... Not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. It says that no flesh, here's his purpose, that no flesh should glory in his presence. In other words, that think you're the stuff, that I'm the stuff, Right? says, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. What am I saying? If you think you're less than today, that means you're a great candidate. Let's pray. Father, thank you for just who you are today. Lord, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to read uh, about Joseph and about Mary, God, and the things that they went through. And Lord, we realize today, God, that it wasn't some cute little story, some cute little fairy tale. But God, there was real life decisions that were going on that literally all of creation was hinging on. And so, Lord, I pray today that we would understand the significance and the importance of our lives, that we would understand, God, the things that you've called us to aren't uh, just common, cheap things, but, Lord, they have great significance in the kingdom. 
And so, Lord, I pray today that we would be a people that will respond to whatever you ask us to do with a readily, we readily have a yes in our heart, God, that we'll do what you called us to do because, Lord, we simply believe. And so, Lord, if we could pull anything from that scripture, God, what Mary said, God, let it be to me according to your word. God, that is our prayer today. Let it be to us, God, according to your word. God, in this church, in this region, in this state, and in our lives and in our families, God, let it be according to your word. God, we pray that anything that's attached itself to us that doesn't line up with you, God, to be broken off. And Lord, we would simply believe what you have said about us. And God, we'd have faith to walk in it and to believe it. Lord, forgive us for the times we've delayed and the times we've hesitated. Lord, we just pray that there'll be a quick response in our hearts because Lord, we want to move with the Holy Spirit. We want to move with the wind where you are going. God, if you say go left, we want to go left. You say go right, we want to go right. Because God, we want to be obedient people. And so Lord, we just simply say we love you. And God, we ask God once again for courage, God, to do what you called us to do. Thank you for the opportunity to surrender and to obey and to walk with the King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.